Welcome to Spoilers Intended, a podcast about series, novels, and films. For this episode, old villains will emerge, universes shall converge, and Peter Tingles will surge. That's right, we're talking Spider-Man No Way Home. Hey everybody, welcome to the show. I'm Stephen Ford, joined as always by Andrew Knuckles. Hey, how's it going? And Joel Killingsworth. Hello. Uh, congrats on not repeating yourselves there, guys. I'm real proud of y'all. We do what we can. Sometimes. Almost. Well, anyways. I, I repeated myself. I have the exact same intro every time. I now, now the audience can go back to previous episodes and, and listen to the intro. Up, baby. <laughs> 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 wrong. Or just make a super cut of Joel of just hello. 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 <laughs> Don't do that. Actually, no, do do that. <laughs> Put that on Patreon. Anyways, so... Before we jump into more silliness and also to talk about Spider-Man No Way Home, uh, we've got a little topic to throw out before we get there about abandoned media. So specifically talking about the shows, books, not films because it doesn't really work that way unless you just stood up in the theater and walked out. <laughs> Mostly I, the I, shows. I have walked out of one, one movie in my entire life and it was just because I was nine years old and I was scared. Jurassic Park. No. Oh, Independence me. Day. Oh, fair enough. <laughs> Anyways, abandoned media. So these are the the shows that you started, but you just couldn't finish. So we're yep. going to throw around, or, or you just couldn't get through wherever they were at the time, I guess. We're going to throw around some and see how the rest of us feel about that. The fact that Andrew gave up on this, or Joel gave up on that, or that I gave up on something else. Yeah. So we'll just uh, kick it over to Andrew first. Oh, you're going to me first? Yes. Okay, well, um, okay, so... I, I normally try and finish everything that I watch. And like, consumes a I, lot of garbage. I, I, can, I, I do watch a lot of bad shows. <laughs> and mo it's very rare for me to find a show that I just can't, like, really you get into or, or just can't keep watching. And most of the time, like, it's whenever, like, if, like, life gets really busy, then I kind of just go on, like, hiatus mm -hmm. on it. And I'm like, I'll just pick it up whenever I get a chance. And then, you know, that's just kind of how it goes. Um, about... Three years ago, um, I tried to watch Avatar: The Last Airbender, the the TV show, not mm. the movie or anything right, like that. Right. And that doesn't ha that didn't happen. That doesn't exist. Yeah, um, I I I plowed through the first two seasons and I enjoyed it. It was kind of fun, um, you know, because everyone really hyped it up. It was just kind of one of those things. It's it's one of those shows everyone talks about. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And you know, I it is anime adjacent, um, which anime is pretty much my wheelhouse. That's, that's I watch you know multiple season seasonal shows every you know season that kind of stuff and then i got to season three and i think i got to the beach episode which i think is only like episode three mm -hmm. maybe two something like that when they're in the fire nation and i just gave up like after after such a good end of season two mm -hmm. to where like it, it's a very like emotional climax and all this other kind of stuff and then they get to the fire nation and it's just i i understand that it's kind of like ang's way to try and delay Right. His confrontation with the fire, uh, fire lord. Yeah, um, and uh, but because of that, like it just the whole like it just meandered. Well, yeah, I'll I'll definitely agree that the first half of season three is probably the weakest stretch of the yeah. entire show, and there is a bit of what you mentioned with with Ang's arc, mm -hmm. but there's also just like the show itself completely loses any sense of momentum. Yeah. Like it, it, you're just kind of like, oh man, I really came off of like season two, like really yeah. good. And then just out of nowhere, it's just like eh, hitting the brakes. Yeah. 
But once you get to the finale. Mm-hmm. So, and, so like 14 okay, episodes. So, so, the right. beach, so the beach is episode five. Okay. And I actually disagree. I think you actually hit a couple of good episodes prior to that. Because the Sokka Swordmaster is The Swordmaster is before that. Is the Swamp. The painted the swamp lady. town, the painted yeah, lady. That the painted lady that. was a good one. So, yeah. so I think there are actually some some just going through. I actually had to go back. I was like, you are IMDb. This is season three, right? Yes, because definitely I don't remember, season three. But it is. Those are season three. Mm-hmm. So those do happen before the beach episode, which isn't really uh, a so terrible. It, it wasn't a bad episode, but I think it, it took a lot of the, the yeah. steam out of my engine. There, there's a lot There's a lot there to still mine, right? There's yeah. there's the conclusion of Zuko's arc, which is probably the best thing in, the, in mm-hmm. season three. There's... Aang and him coming to grips with with his internal struggles, but overall, I think that that the main problem is the lack of momentum and the mm-hmm. loss of momentum. And if you can get over that, you, there's still a lot of good stuff to be had in the second yeah. half. So I I agree mm-hmm. that it could be kind of rough season three. Yeah, and it kind of me you're well, this is going to be the end, and it just kind of wanders around. Well. But, and and it like so the first season it actually took me a, quite a while to really get into kind of the characters and stuff. I had to really kind of force myself for the first I'll say like half of the first season to really like get into a lot of the storyline and mm-hmm. everything like that. Mm-hmm. And just be like it, it's kind of it's always been kind of one of those things where like whenever I'm watching a uh, I'll say an anime adjacent title. Th- a lot of them, like Clone Wars and that kind of stuff, mm-hmm. they're they're initially meant for younger kids. Yep, right. And because of that, the resolutions that happen are very simple and very straightforward, which that's not necessarily always a bad thing, but then also at the same time, it's not as engaging until you get further on in the show yes. whenever they kind of like realize, ooh, we actually have a, a little bit of an older audience for this. Why don't we like, you know, Step amp up, up some of the yes. emotional yes. weight and that kind of stuff. And that's where like season two was like, ooh, mm-hmm. this is like, mm, I kind of like that. So so I will say season three has a lot of, it, it's kind of schizophrenic in that there are a lot of emotional payoffs mm-hmm. throughout it. But there's also a lot of, did that have to be an episode? Do I need to see yeah. Aang agonizing over the confrontation again? Mm-hmm. But the finale is absolutely worth getting to. Yeah. The final, because you're, you're an animation... Yeah, nerd. Mm-hmm. The the actual final showdown between them is great animation. Okay. Yeah, I mean it's and it, you know it's always been kind of like on the back of my mind, but that one that one was definitely more of a if I literally have nothing else to do, and then I also remember that I need to finish watching it, and then I also have the time to watch it, and I feel like I should watch it. <laughs> this is this is a set. Of of if then statements for which they will never all be fulfilled at exactly. the same time. Yeah. yeah. And I mean and I mean this is a totally separate conversation that we probably should have at some point in the future, but you need to finish this in order to be able to watch Legend of Korra, which which is kind of a controversial thing, but I think is really good. Yeah. On, on the whole. Joel's right, it is controversial. It's okay. <laughs> uh but yeah, so you know, that's that's kind of like the the one of the bigger, like I'll say more mainstream pieces of because I, I, I kind of abandon animes all the time. Mm-hmm, Just right. like, you know, I'll watch like the first three episodes of a season. I'm like, eh, it's not really for me. But that's not really abandonment. It's just more of like I already know what I want. Mm-hmm. And this is just not going to give it to me, yeah. Because most most anime are not that good. But <laughs> so so for for me, I hate to emphasize Stockholm syndrome. Yeah. But you've you've reached the point. You've gotten so far into it. Yeah. Well, yeah. That it, not finishing it, it it's kind, kind of, of a de- disservice. Well, you're denying to yourself mm-hmm. the full emotional payoff, right? Yeah. 
so I, I definitely think you should you should put some time in because it's not it's it's, 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 it's only, number it, episodes but they're not that long. It, yeah, I mean they're twenty minute episodes. So yeah, they, it's just fly. you know an afternoon worth of worth of plowing through mm-hmm. some stuff. Yeah. All right. Well, I'm gonna jump in now. Okay. And I need y'all to convince me. <laughs> Outside of the obvious answer, Joel, you can't take the obvious answer. Sure. But I've watched one episode of The Wheel of Time. The TV show. The TV show. Well, one well, episode. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've read all the books more times than I can count. But I've watched one episode of Wheel of Time. Well, okay. So before before you just before we just try and throw suggestions at you of why you should continue watching, because me and Joel are both caught up. Right. What did you not like outside of just, I'll say, baseline story changes? Uh, it, it feels like they are almost immediately going off the rails in terms of leaving the established story, which, can, which has a lot of concern for me, not in terms of, oh, I don't want to see this. Oh, no, they're ruining the characters I love, my childhood or something like mm-hmm. that. It's, it's not that so much at, so much as it feels like they are already setting up the train wreck and I just don't want to watch it happen. Does okay. that make sense? So I, I feel like I can't push myself. And it may just be the initial episode because it just felt off, not just story-wise, but just the camera shots, the way it was done. So I don't know if the, the production levels go up any mm-hmm. or if it, it starts to feel more natural over time. Well, I, I, have, I have two initial thoughts. Okay. One, the first episode is one of the weaker episodes of the season so far. It's okay. not necessarily the weakest, but it's 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 down there. Yeah. But on the flip side, the season isn't over at the time of recording, and so I can't sit here and tell you not it's it's fine because <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> You'll actually know. <laughs> there's still there's still another episode to go. So I have on the main enjoyed the ride. Right. And there's plenty to nitpick over, obviously. But the and we, the and we performances have been Good to great. Okay, that's yeah. fair. I, I have heard that from people that, for the most part, the people they have chosen to play the roles have done a great job on screen. Mm-hmm. So um, kind of piggybacking off of that, the, uh, the, the, I'll say the main side, side pro or antagonist, um, the, um, the white, white cloak mm-hmm. guy, I, I don't even know his name, but the, the a- white cloak. Amon, Amon Valda is the character. Yeah. Yeah. Gotcha. Um, he is probably one of the most chilling examples of a sociopathic guy that is in power that I've seen on screen he, in he's a the very right? yeah yes. very right. very long time. Like he like whenever he is on the screen, you're like, ooh, this is like actually pretty uncomfortable. Okay, in, mm-hmm. in that, a good way. That's a that's see that's a great selling point because I love good villains. Yeah. Oh, and I, he like I he, don't like weak. I like good villains. Mm-hmm. So. Um, and I'll definitely say, because you kind of talked about production values, unfortunately, the production value of how they visualize um, the Aes Sedai's magic and stuff isn't, doesn't really improve, but, the, but nothing else really gets worse. So, so do we have more of Moraine stand dancing? Yes. And, and other Aes Sedai. And other Aes Sedai. Oh, sad. They actually have a, a scene where multiple Aes Sedai link. Um, and and form, form a circle beat. and they, yeah, basically. <laughs> oh no. <laughs> it's, um, it must've been a very awkward on set experience yeah. of like, all right, you're just going to have to do this. You're going to pass around yeah. the shots of, of tequila. To get them <laughs> yeah. Uh, but like I've actually enjoyed, cause I haven't read all the books. I've only read right. up to basically first book and a half at this point. And it, I have definitely found it enjoyable. 
Um, I was never really big on Game of Thrones whenever it came out just mm-hmm. because uh, I just don't do really, really well with a lot of like overt graphic violence and everything like that. So this is like right on the edge for me at times where I'm like, oh, that's kind of a little bit too much. Um, that's fair. Yeah, there, there was definitely a little bit of that for me, too, where it was just like, ooh, this is, this is yeah. a lot. Because most fantasy outside of Game of Thrones, they, they, you get the implication that this dude's been stabbed, but you don't really see it. Yeah. The sword plunges off screen, et cetera. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah. So the, the best part about you know, him abandoning the show is that he actually doesn't get to abandon it. <laughs> Because we're going to review it, <laughs> and whenever the season finishes, and whenever we can, I said, know, don't, at some, don't use the obvious. At, at some point in the future, we will be reviewing the whole season as a as a whole, as a whole. Yeah. So you're going to have to watch it at some point. Yes, but give me a reason to have hope. It it hasn't been terrible, and this, <laughs> <laughs> I said hope, Andrew, not the, well. Okay, so I will say this last episode um, definitely alluded to not as much of a deviation as you as initially presumed, right? Which, unfortunately, as as people have read Eye of the World, you kind of want a deviation at the end because that's kind of a weak ending from <laughs> the, the book. It is pretty boring, and yeah. and so like. And that's actually because in order for me to wholeheartedly endorse it, I need to know how the season ends because I need to know how that plays out. Right. Yeah. That's really the key to, to the season for me. Uh, right. But it, they they have definitely alluded to not as much of a deviation as they may have kind of hinted at at the beginning of the series. So okay. there's that. Well, you have successfully convinced me in a totally not a gun to the head method <laughs> of, of picking the show back up. But we'll, we'll move from. You're welcome. I do what I can. Right. So for me, it's Full Metal Alchemist Brotherhood. Okay. Uh, I have attempted to watch the show twice. The first time I made it through one episode. Now, hold on. <laughs> I have to be specific here. This is just Brotherhood. Just, not, just not, Brotherhood. You're not, not including not any full, full Metal Alchemist. Mm, right. Okay. Yeah. I want to make sure. Yeah. Because there is a difference. <laughs> There's a big difference. A big difference. Right. Uh, but so like the first time I attempted it, I got through a single episode and I couldn't take the 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 art style that was employed where any uh emotion that is a sudden change in emotion was depicted with little tiny cartoony uh caricatures of the characters they go where, chibi yeah yeah and it just it pulled me out of the scenes it it made me not emotionally attached to what was going on did not like it at all i was I was cajoled and told you've got to put through it because this is like the best show ever. And I tried it again uh-huh. and I got, uh, or I got probably a third of the way into the, the series, uh, where they kind of have a clash with definitely not a third. Well, I don't know. I didn't finish it. It's a 64 episode season. It series. is. It is. Okay. <laughs> I got probably 10 ish episodes in. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I I fell out and I and I think it was because of the pacing that it it was not progressing the story quickly enough to pull me along and I just I I just put it down one day and, and didn't just, and just never picked it up the next mm-hmm. and I think that's where I am. Okay, okay. So, um initial question, are you watching were you watching it in the dub or the sub? I was watching it in the dub. Okay. So Andrew's going to tell you you're wrong. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so this is not to get into a debate about whether dubs are better than subs. They both have their place in very specific 
certain cases and things. However, I will say that the sub or original language mm-hmm. for Full Metal Alchemist Brotherhood is substantially better quality than the dub is. Mm-hmm. And I'm sure that may make some people angry that are listening to this. I'm sorry, but eh, I, I just got nothing to say. <laughs> Sometimes um, the emotional projection of the, the original so voice actors is better. Ed and Al's and Winry's specifically, their performances in the Japanese is just so far and above better mm-hmm. that their delivery of lines, especially for the for the comedy and stuff like that, are are just they're just better mm-hmm. because they they emote a lot of the emotions just a lot easier. And I I do understand that a lot of people are like, well, I want to be doing other stuff so I can listen to it and still understand what's happening and not have to actually read the screen. I yeah. I completely get that, and that's totally fair. If you can watch it in the sub, that you'll definitely get a lot more out of the show. But um, unfortunately, the the caricature kind of style doesn't really change. Yeah, and it doesn't go away. That's just that is going to be one of those things where you you just have to accept that mm-hmm. as as a reality. The pacing though is, is actually kind of interesting because I, I feel that the the first like I'll say third of the show, mm-hmm. which is roughly 20 episodes, is actually pretty lightning paced for the kind of what happens in the middle where there's, there are, there, it, it doesn't slow down, but it, it is definitely not as, um, it's a lot of setup for the final act of the series. Yeah, it, it really felt like the stretch that I got into was focused on kind of the overarching plot as mm-hmm. opposed to the character arcs for Ed and his brother. Yeah. And like, I was really interested in them, but I wasn't really interested in what else was going on. And so like, while we were over there, mm-hmm. I was, I was, I was kind of pulled out. So a lot of what happens during basically like once they kind of get through the initial push of like kind of establishing characters mm-hmm. and like, Oh, this is kind of where the story's going. Once you get into the middle section of the series, there is a, ton of character development for Ed and Al, specifically about their relationship mm-hmm. um, with themselves, mm-hmm. with each other, uh, also with other other characters and mm-hmm. that kind of stuff. And then um, there there are things that happen, which I will not say because it is a spoiler-free section of the show right now. <laughs> we have not crossed the spoilerverse. Yep. And wall, it's it's definitely one of those where like when those things happen, they are they are lasting consequences. Okay, well that that's really encouraging, and that's that's the kind yeah. of kind of dark drama that I want. I, yes. to I was just gonna say that's that's probably the biggest appeal to Joel is mm-hmm. when things go wrong and people have to find ways to recover. Is they they suffer for it. Yeah, and and Head is definitely one of those protagonists that suffers greatly for what he for a lot of the the problems that he creates. That are his own. Yes. Give yeah. me a character that is that their life is pain. I will watch. Yes. This. <laughs> well, and, and he he definitely. So Full Metal Alchemist Brotherhood is one of my favorite shows of mm-hmm. all time. Like I've I've watched the series in its entirety probably six or seven times by now. Like just there'll just be times where I'm just like oh, I just want to throw that on and just put it on. Mm-hmm. And the um you all of the investment that you get early on is absolutely worth every payoff towards the end there's they especially uh, bones the series that animated or the production studio that animated it they never they never um hold back on any of their action scenes or anything like that mm-hmm. so like a lot of the later fights are just so exhilarating because they just 
They're really, really, really dynamic yeah. stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the good thing about Brotherhood, and one reason why it's probably regarded as one of the best series ever made, is that it also ended with an a- with the actual manga ending. Mm-hmm. Instead of it got too far ahead of the manga, and then they just had to like make their own ending. Right. It, right. it was it was made after the manga had been finished. It actually ended the same. Like basically, really? like yeah. So oh, they they, they were in production. The final volume landed whenever the final chat. Whenever the final episode. So, so landed. they were getting actual like story notes. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. No, they were they were um, collaborating directly. That's cool. Yeah, I did, I did not know that actually. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, it's. Definitely give it another try. I understand that a lot of the anime styling mm-hmm. uh, or uh, dressing of of just the show, and that's just kind of the medium. Yeah, you just got to. Well, get and and like your your note about getting back to the the character arcs really in depth for the mm-hmm. for the like the the middle portion yeah. of the the series really because it's definitely one of those things where it it definitely slows down quotation marks, but it is not slow in the sense of there's no development and it's just filler yeah. episodes. Like every everything that is happening has a reason and that's what that's what makes the show just so good because when you get to the end it is just like just emotions all mm-hmm. day mm-hmm. well so joel i'm gonna commiserate with you for a second <laughs> because the the whole jump to chibi style yeah. animation is one of my biggest gripes in mm-hmm. anime mm-hmm. because hey this is serious take yourself serious express them <laughs> seriously but i think at cert at a certain point the the material gets so weighty and there's so much going on that having that it's kind of like how Marvel does where they will have really serious heavy world ending events and someone will make a joke and that's kind of anime's expressive way of breaking tension mm-hmm. uh, so there is a point where you kind of just have to accept that hey this is how they're going to break tension it may mm-hmm. not be a way I like the tension being broke but I really like the tension so I just have to push past some of those. Yeah. Things. Well, yeah. and that's, that's literally how I do it. Yeah. I hate, I hate it when shows do that. Yeah. And you know, just, just to hammer down one more time, like there, there definitely is something that is lost whenever you translate it into spoken English mm-hmm. um, from, from what it was originally intended for even just translation, but it's just English just doesn't have the emotive expressions a lot of times for mm-hmm. certain words and certain um, just pieces of dialogue that you just it doesn't translate over very well, hmm. and because of that, I mean, like there there are definitely shows I watch in dub, but the sub just is just for Brotherhood specifically. I just I can't recommend the dub at all. So okay, all right, well, <laughs> sorry guys. On that on that <laughs> note, since Joel mentioned that he likes it when characters' lives are just pain, we're gonna move on now and talk a little bit about Spider Man No Way Home. We have not crossed the spoiler wall, so this is spoiler-free right now. Just a little brief overall impression and maybe a little summary. Uh, Joel, you want to hit us with a little, little oh, synopsis? Okay. Oh, no. Did I get you off guard? <laughs> summary. Summarize. Synopsis. The word is synopsis. Synopsisize. So at the end of the previous film, it was revealed, Far from home. revealed to the world that Peter Parker is Spider-Man, and he is... Uh, under suspicion of murder of Mysterio. Right. And so we have um, him dealing with the fallout of that. Everyone knows who he is. He can't get any peace. He's under suspicion and stress. And stress. And this is, this is affecting his, not only his reputation, but it's affecting the reputation of his friends. Um, And it's affecting all of their lives negatively. And he um, eventually comes to Dr. Strange as kind of a last ditch effort to be like, can you fix this? Because I have tried everything I can think of. 
but you're magic. You can do stuff that I can't even imagine. And Doctor Strange inconceivably says yes. Inconceivably. <laughs> inconceivable. And from there, it is just madness. No, that's the next movie. That, yeah. Yeah. Wow. Hijinks and I just can't ensue. can't really go into it past that point without yeah. hitting heavy spoilers. Okay, so um, on that note, Andrew sounds like he has something he wants to say. Oh no, no, I was go just ahead. gonna, I was just gonna say, give us the score that we all aggregate. Like, this is the score that we aggregated for. Uh, our aggregate score was a seven point eight, a uh, very respectable showing out of ten. Out of ten, uh, and there were there were some some good and some bad. I will say, first thing out of the gate, I walked out of the theater saying, this is the best film that the MCU has produced to date. I do remember you... You did say that. ...messaging yeah. that in our group chat, because we did not see it on the same night. And I would say that you are close to that. Uh, it is definitely within the, the upper tier of MCU fare. Mm-hmm. Yes, I, I I wholeheartedly agree with that statement. Yeah, I, I, I wouldn't say it's, I wouldn't say it's the best. I would definitely say it's it's probably within the top five. You know, don't I don't want to throw spoilers here, but you might start to understand why the score is what it is when you hear us making these arguments about. <laughs> oh, it's the best. Well, it's top tier. Yeah. I, so like, I enjoyed it. Mm-hmm. Like, I I'm I'm a big fan of Spider Man. Like we've kind of talked about last episode. Um, for Into the Spider-Verse. And it's definitely one of those things where uh, going into it, I had pretty decent expectations of what to, you know, what what, what I was hoping to see. Mm-hmm. And honestly, they kind of paid it back in spades. Yeah. I was, I, I got more than what um, what I was hoping to get. And uh, I, there, were, there were definitely problems, uh, but mostly not with the story, the characters, and what is shown on screen. Mm-hmm. So we'll get there on that breakdown. Yeah, yes. and, and I, I, I would agree. I think it met or exceeded expectations mm-hmm. across the board. And Joel, not to make you page back through your notes, but I want to go to look at. No, I actually do want you to page back through your notes. What was our composite for Ghostbusters Afterlife? Our Ghostbusters Afterlife I want seven point was a seven seven point three seven point okay. three. So that was also a movie that we all enjoyed, mm-hmm. and we agreed that maybe there were some flaws or some issues, but overall, a yeah. really great movie that we would see again in theaters. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. So this is better than that. I yeah. I do want to qualify when I say this is the my my assertion that this is the best film that the MCU has produced. My general opinion is that there is a ceiling on how good MCU films can be, and it's not super high. Yeah, <laughs> it's, it's about an eight. Yeah, so like, sounds like, ooh, that's, that's, like this. This I this felt is a seven point eight. So I, it's about an eight. I I felt like this pushed the boundary on what an MCU movie could 7. do. Seven point five. The ceiling was seven point yeah. five prior to. Well, <laughs> well, yeah, no, I mean, so like, the, the, we'll, we'll there's also in, kind of a floor that they do a good job of not skirting with very often. Sure. Yeah. So, uh, like, props. Uh, um, the MCU has done a very good job over the years of being perfectly adequate to better or higher quality superhero films that everyone, you know, like, you know what you're going in to the movie theater to see. Mm-hmm. And whether that's a good thing or a bad thing, you know exactly, it is a known quantity walking into these, yeah. these yeah, films. You have a pretty good idea that you're going to get reasonable to quality entertainment mm-hmm. and you're going to like it and you're not going to be like, oh, I wasted my money. Yeah, exactly. Nine times out of ten. Basically. Yeah, and then if you're very familiar with the source material, then that'll probably just elevate it even more or make you mad. I don't know. I, actually, yeah. <laughs> you know, I think it is. I think that's one of the biggest points in the MCU's favor. Marvel Cinematic Universe, for anyone out there who doesn't do abbreviations somehow on this, <laughs> uh, 
there are a lot of adaptations. We've we've talked about some on this show already, but there are, there are others out there that that there are a lot of diehard fans that they are angry about. Mm-hmm. And I think for the most part, Marvel fans have not really ever come out up in arms about something that was done in the film. Yeah, I mean, you know, there's always you know going to be those couple people that are like, oh, well, they didn't put this guy in there, or like they did this character wrong because he's not like that in the th- in the comic books or whatever. Yeah, the the closest you might have had maybe Iron Man three. Yeah, with the the switch with the Mandarin there, with the Mandarin. But uh, uh, oh gosh, not to go back to Star Wars, <laughs> <laughs> but the fan base there, right? Was very polarized. Yeah. You've never had a moment in the Marvel fan base where that's happened. And I think that's that's to their credit that they are telling good, consistent, consistent. stories that are well adapted. Yeah. At the end of the day, yeah. and that's that's what you're going to get here. And 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 honestly, like like if you are a Spider-Man fan in any level, if you if you've seen um you know any any of the Spider-Man films that have come out to date, mm-hmm. uh, just go see it. It was it was definitely worth the watch in theaters. Like totally it, worth it. It Don't matches. For... It matches the tone that you expect for a Spider-Man story. Mm-hmm. It has a lot of heart. It has a lot of heartbreak. Yep. It mm-hmm. uh, has a lot, a lot of, of excitement and a lot of humor. Well, and some fantastic fight scenes. Yeah. yeah. Like, and not like the CGI cacophonies that you normally see from Well, that, that's from actually MCU one films. of the nice things about Spider-Man. Because Spider-Man isn't some kind of world-breaking powerhouse, yeah. one, he can't fight villains who are. So that immediately means both him and his opponent can't throw things all over the place. It's not just like they we're going to jump a lot up into closer. the world. It's a very yeah. close in. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that, that has its own level of satisfaction. Yep. Well, I, I feel like we've we've pretty well covered kind of the spoiler-free side of things. Mm-hmm. And it sounds like we're about ready to buckle up and head into spoiler land. However, as we enter the, the intermission, remember, you're the only one with the power to turn this off. And that's okay. But before you do... Support the show at patreon.com slash spoilers intended podcast. Now, as we exit the intermission, remember, with great spoilers comes great responsibility. Right, and we are back. We have crossed the spoiler wall. There are dragons. Sorry, there are spiders all ahead right now. <laughs> Maybe some other creatures. We don't know. We're about to find out. So, guys, we're going to jump right into it, do a quick breakdown on how we judge, how we yep. how we create our score. That was a 7.8. So we look at four categories, spectacle, performance, score, and plot. And as we hit each one, we'll give them maybe a little quick yep. blurb on what yep. those each mean mm-hmm. ultimately. So to start it off, we're going to look at spectacle. So for spectacle, we are looking at the overall impact, both the emotional, what kind of stakes were there, how well was it shown, the effects, the overall energy of the film. Yeah, Yeah. the oomph of the film here. Mm -hmm. So I'm going to kick it out to Joel first on spectacle. I gave it a nine. I thought that it was really exceptional. There was an awful lot of just just incredible visuals, particularly in the fight between Spider-Man and Doctor Strange, where mm-hmm. we got to go take a step back to the Doctor Strange film and get all of the mirror the mirror dimension 
visuals where it's fractals and impossible geometries all you know, folding out of itself. It's funny how I just talked about how Spider-Man's power level means that his, his opponents aren't that high. <laughs> so that means it keeps well, the CGI down. And then we immediately jump to that. But at the same time, I absolutely love the Mirrorverse stuff. I love that in Doctor Strange. I yeah. love the whole the buildings moving and the effects. Yeah. So Well, and, and with with that, you know, Doctor Strange is not trying to hurt. Oh yeah, he's Peter. not going all yeah. out. No no one here is trying to harm the other. Yeah, really. he like, you know, Peter's just trying to escape and and Doctor Strange is like, "Come on, kid. Like, yeah. what are you doing?" Like, what 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 are you doing? Yeah. I I already pushed you into a whole different universe that you don't even understand. What, what do you <laughs> think you can do to me? Yeah. So, um, okay, yeah, go on. Uh I I felt like the only part where it sort of started to fall flat was um in the climactic fight. Mm-hmm. We're way past the spoiler wall now. Where all three Spider Men are running around and they're they're beating up the the five members of the Sinister Six that actually showed up and weren't Let's really drunk on a beach. Four. Well, no, really <laughs> three if you're talking about the fight because Goblin doesn't show up until later and then Doc and, Ock and is, Ock is on their side. Yeah, he's anyway. on their side. Yeah. But no but, spoilers or anything. <laughs> no, I mean, yeah. but there, when when all of three of the Spider Men are together, especially in that scene where they like come around the edge and they're one, two, sil- and silhouetted three. by yeah. the moon. Yeah, oh, so well, that, that's one of those things where Marvel knows what it has, and they're like, "I'm injecting the strange Europeans." Yeah. Yep. Uh, <laughs> but in the individual, like when they started to to, I, don't, I think it was earlier in the fight where they were pairing off and they were they were one v oneing a lot and of the, and guys. They were doing really badly. And and in in those scenes, it was very very difficult to keep track of who was where. Yep. Um, yes. because yes. they hadn't so taken good. off their masks yet. They all have very similar costumes that when they're in good lighting and standing still, you can clearly tell the but, difference. But it's dark. Well, right. and, and Tobey Maguire's and Garfield's um, outfits are very similar. Mm-hmm. Where, like, Tom Holland, you can you know who he is. Well, his, his has the metallic yeah. sheen to yeah. it, whereas theirs are just cloth. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, so that was the only part that I would that I would ding the the visual experience for is that you kind of get lost in the early part of the climax. See, visually. I I actually thought that was interesting because and it relates more probably into plot mm-hmm. and how they sold the interaction and how well they were getting used to it. Uh, but I, I actually really liked that that bit because even though you couldn't tell who was who necessarily, they were all getting in each other's way. Mm-hmm. One guy yeah. was throwing a web here, and the other guy was cutting across it trying to swing. Oh, no, and no. they were they were very much just disjointed. And it didn't that, matter. And that, and that part was great. I really yeah. liked that. But, but at the end of the day, it doesn't matter if this is Toby or Garfield or Tom. Whoever this is doing this and whoever this is happening to, the weakest link is the strength, right? Mm-hmm. So it didn't – initially, I was having the same issue of, man, I really don't know what's going on right now, like who this is. But it was just – this is the confusion of it and them not being used to it. Yeah. So well, I, and, you I, I know, they, they tried to fix that a little bit by each, anytime that there was a scene um, with a singular Spider-Man, that w- Spider-Man would talk yeah, right, in, yeah. in, in some form or fashion. And they tried to do it. Unfortunately, Garfield and Toby kind of sound similar, especially whenever they're not talking at length. Well, especially when they're, it's just a quick quip. Yeah, yeah, it's real hard. Um, so, like, I was like, was that Toby? I don't know. Was that Garfield? I don't know. <laughs> Definitely not Holland. Yeah. Um, yeah. See, I had that, and then I was just like, it doesn't matter. I, I hit a point in the fight where I was like, it doesn't matter. At some point, they're going to establish who they are. Yeah. And for now, I don't have to worry about it because this is obviously the buildup. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, and, and, you know, it's one of those things, too, where um, – because they, they tried the initial thing where, like, each each Peter Parker would pair up against not one of their villains. Right. They would they would pick someone else and then you know obviously they they kind of get their butts kicked and then they were like all right we need to figure this out yeah um, and uh, I I loved it so much where it's like I've never I've never worked on a team before I'm I've always done things alone well well I don't I don't, I don't mean to brag but I'm gonna <laughs> brag 
I was on the Avengers. And Toby's like, that's great. Who what is that? They? Yeah. <laughs> are, you, are you in a band? Are you in a band? That's great. <laughs> no, no, no. The, the interplay between them was really well handled. Yeah. Uh, so anyways, Andrew needs to give a score for Spectacle. Um, I also gave it a nine. Oh boy. Uh, I, you know, I'm a, I like Spider-Man. Spider-Man's fun. Mm-hmm. And uh, the, I like Spider-Man villains because they're generally very grounded and they have like most of the time reasons to be like bad guys. They have like good motivation. Like, mm-hmm. like Doc Ock, yeah. you know, he lost his wife and then, you know, he, he has these arm thing. Well, no, he killed his wife, I think from Spider-Man too, if I'm not. Well, he loses control of he, well, the, and it takes him over. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No. Um, but like, you know, and then Green Goblin was just, you know, he's just trying to be, you know, he's just trying to advance military technology and then, you know, well, he just he, experiments he, on himself. He has less happens. of a motivation at that point because he has a he has a golem issue, he has a split personality. Yeah, yeah I, I feel like this was probably, it was like he was a better character. We're getting there. Coming in. <laughs> we're getting there. We're getting there. Yeah, we're getting yeah there. that's um, like, Anyway. But, but yeah, like honestly, like the, the, the fight that just totally sold me on the film was the initial turn whenever Goblin um, basically betrays Tom Holland in the apartment. Uh, that, that, and then they yeah. are just <laughs> rolling in the hallway, uh-huh. and he's just like just hammer slamming him down. Down through a floor. Oh, oh yeah, no, that was. like the, That was like, this is what I'm here for. I want to see, see Tom Holland get the crap beat out and of that him. And that, <laughs> that was a fantastic fight on the heels of a fantastic character scene. Yeah, like, a lot of really good interaction yeah. and, and – arc development, emotional feelings, right? Yeah. Well, and the and this is kind of jumping ahead a little bit because we haven't gotten into like plot or anything like that, but the whenever um William Defoe is like working on something and then Aunt May ask him just a question and he like you can hear the goblin um whenever he like he basically like responds, but it, it has like the goblin rasp to it. Mm-hmm. But this was before he's He's turned, he's like, trying, to, trying to keep it hidden, and yeah. Uh, yeah. and I was like, "Ooh, yeah, this is about to go down." Yeah, yeah. well, I'm so, yeah, yeah, yeah. Steven. I, I am also German. I gave it a nine. <laughs> Germans all around. Uh, I, 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 it's hard to not like it. Yeah, like, the CGI is great. The stakes were high. Even even the no, small the were definitely even very, the yeah. small stakes, not the world shattering stakes, but just the hey, look, if I send these back, I am condemning them to their death. Why can't I? Help them. Why couldn't I mm-hmm. fix that? Was it's great. Very that, is, that is a very close personal level because ultimately, all of these people, the villains, were friends of Spider-Man. Not this Spider-Man, but they were mm-hmm. the various other Spider-Man's friends at some point. Yeah. So Spider-Man as a whole conglomerate item within the metaverse, or however you want to look at it, has a compelling reason to want to help these people. Mm-hmm. If if Toby could go back in time and help. Uh, Doc or Norman, he, mm-hmm. he would. Yeah. yeah, and so it's it fits perfectly. Even though these aren't his people, Tom still wants to. Tom's Peter still wants to. Fi- ah, that's a terrible sentence. Anyways, <laughs> he still wants to help fix. So even when the stakes were quote unquote small, well, what's one life against billions? Right? Strange has yeah. a line something along that. That still feels like great stakes mm-hmm. to, and, and really good room to play and make things happen. And they did. They they paid it off. Yeah. So. Yeah. yeah it was- I mean, honestly, it was just fantastic. It was just entertaining throughout the whole film. Um, you know, there's a couple issues that we'll get to here in a moment. Well, but it, it'll show up. Yeah. Moment. So moving forward, we're going to jump into performance next. Mm-hmm. So for us, this is all about who was cast, how they handled the role. Did they bring something 
more to it. And I want to be really strict here. Plot comes later. So if the writing is bad, we're not looking to ding the people on screen. Yeah, for, we're if, talking about the the actual performance of with, the with, like, with what they got. Yeah, how right? and, how they and, sold and, it. And it can be very difficult to parse that out. But right. we're we're trying our best yeah. to split mm-hmm. that apart from. Well, he didn't have good lines, but he was definitely well, really and, there. So and, and we can't really. Um, we can't really ding like casting choices because all of the characters that we see in this film have been characters right. for so these this films is, for there, years. There, there was this no new, there was no new casting. This one's really <laughs> simple. Yeah, yeah. So I'm gonna go first. Yeah, I gave it a ten, and I, I have to say, maybe this is some bias because I I, I liked the Toby Spider-Man series. Mm-hmm. I I didn't watch the Garfield series because I had kind of the superhero burnout. Why do I have to see Spider-Man's origin again? <laughs> I don't want to see Spider-Man's origin again. But for me in particular, Defoe and Molina stand out big time because they both. I mean, Defoe was fantastic. Oh, they both mm-hmm. really, really handle the I am vulnerable and need to be helped. And also I am a menace and will pivot in an instant and tear your heart out. <laughs> yeah. Yep. They both do it so well. I, and Jamie Foxx. You he know, did a great I didn't, job. I didn't yeah. see Garfield movies, but as Electro. Yeah, I'm put me in there. Let's let's go. I'm that like, was I, good. I absolutely loved. And I mean, to talk about Willem Dafoe's performance, the scene in where he where he turns, and mm-hmm. and you know you know uh, Peter has the the tingling, and he's coming out, and he's the like, tingling. "There's danger," Gosh. and he can't figure out where the danger is coming from, and he focuses on Jamie Foxx's electro for a while, right? Because he because thinks he, that's where because it's he knows, from. and and like it sort of is because he's he's, he's been dissentive. He he is on the verge of flipping, yeah, right? right? And then he he uh, incapacitates um, Norman, yeah, mm-hmm. right? And then Norman gives a speech, or or rather, the Goblin gives a speech, and and it completely lays out his philosophy in a concise way that that makes you understand him. Mm-hmm. And whereas. Electro had been kind of waffling. He's like, well, I see what he did for Octavius and that was good. He was insane. Like I saw he was insane. And I, now saw, I saw how big a shift now this he's is. He's not insane. He's, mm-hmm. he's, he's a, a, a dude now. <laughs> and like, but I like what I have mm-hmm. and he's very conflicted. And then the goblin gives his speech and he's like, you know what? This man's right. <laughs> and then he grabs the arc reactor and He's the nuke in the room. <laughs> yep. Yeah. It, it was, well, it was because so good. The, the power scales, right? I mean, at the end of the day, Green Goblin is an enhanced individual, but without his suit on, without his bombs, without his glider, he's not that big a he's threat. He's just a strong dude. A, yeah. Electro in an enclosed environment is would be hor- I mean, you're just I mean, fried. And, with, with a self-contained infinite power source. Right. Yeah. 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 Like <laughs> that's, that's a huge problem. So, so spotting it as the initial, oh, this could be an issue, and then the, the turnover, it's just the ability for... Uh, Defoe especially, and then Molina to pivot mm-hmm. from you. You connect to them. You make the emotional connection, like when he when uh, Norman goes and finds Aunt May, and he's you know like the ho- borderline homeless guy, and mm-hmm. yep. well, we have to help them and all this. That pivot is so good. I I think the only and, and we before the show we talked a little bit about that that we felt like Doctor Strange was maybe you know Cumberbatch I think is a he little was probably the weakest, a little weak. I I actually think, and I don't even. This is how weak it is. I don't even know if I'm going to get the villain's name right. Is it Croc? Is it the is lizard, lizard Man? Lizard. It's Lizard Man. See, yeah. and and I know that they they made that as a joke, but that was basically the only real payoff for him. I mean, he's part of that that big swing betrayal, 
But I feel like that role was a little lost and wasted just because mostly it was just used for the one-off jokes of, oh, well, and then we have a dragon in here. You know, the lizard, the dinosaur? Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) And it's kind of like, well, you don't get the same emotional depth. And part of it is just he's trapped in a full CGI. Yeah. And, And like at some point you run out of time. Right. Yeah, like you can the, only cover so many people. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and, you know, you basically have the main three, which are, you know, Jamie Foxx, uh, Electro, then you have Green Goblin and Doc Ock, and then the other two are just there. Well, yeah. And I'm messing this up. I was trying to look up the actor because I just could not remember the name of the actor, but but Sandman, mm-hmm. uh, Thomas Hayden Church, who's actually somebody, I don't even know who this is, but but Sandman. He does a great job as well because yeah. you still get the the full flow through of I don't really have a beef with Spider-Man. I just want to get home and I am here to do whatever looks like the best path for me to get home the quickest to mm-hmm. my daughter, right? Yeah. yeah, and and like he was the best part of Spider-Man 3. Um that's not saying a whole lot, but well, it is true. Yeah, cuz he was the most sympathetic of the villains cuz he wasn't really a villain. He was just, you know, a poor guy that just Bad got luck. caught into a a collider. And I feel like <laughs> I, love, I feel like the the like like viewing his character was a better experience not having to go through his really corny origin story. Well, yeah. I, I love how they highlighted that like, oh man, well I, I fell on a vat of eels. Oh man, why well, I, I fell on a collider. Well, you gotta be careful when you fall in a place I, know, I, know. <laughs> I love how they, they have the, the awareness to to make their own jokes at that. Well yeah. and I like how they basically poked fun at Jamie Foxx's Electro, like, at least five times in the film, mm-hmm. at least three of those being, well, you fell into a vat of electric eels. Yeah. Like, like, and everyone's just like, oh, yeah, that was just something. Yeah. Because it just doesn't make any sense <laughs> it just, at all. It's it fine. Oh, you got powers from it. What? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, anyways, Andrew, performance? I gave it a nine. Okay. I mean, it's pretty much all the same stuff that we're, we're going to be talking about. Yeah, it's I think, just, I think everyone did a good job. I'm not a, I'm not the biggest fan of Tom Holland's Spider-Man. Uh, just he just I don't know he just doesn't really vibe with me that much see um, I find that so interesting because I, I think especially at this point in the movie I think or in the series of movies he's really just molded into the role at this point no he he does a very good job at being Spider-Man and up until this point uh, for this movie like I felt that he just didn't really deserve a lot of the stuff that he has been given inside of the universe like the suit and all this other kind of stuff. Yeah, and like the, the perks Tony's, of living in Tony's shadow. Exactly. Yeah. And, and they finally gave him consequences for mm-hmm. a lot of his mm-hmm. actions and that kind of stuff. So now I can't really say that I don't like him anymore because they actually like did things. Yeah. Well, he's, he's a much more palatable character because there's more, yes. there's ups and downs. Well, like, so my whole thing is, is like Spider-Man is, is a tragic hero in the sense that he has to have a cost for mm-hmm. everything that he has mm-hmm. done mm-hmm. because he he wants to live a normal life but he also has this grand calling to be Spider-Man. Yeah. And Tom Holland never like up until this point the other movies he never really seemed to have that. He was just a dude with superpowers that, you know, has, you know, just some quirky fun stuff during high school. Yeah. Man, are you Wait, hold on now. We're we're way past the spoiler alert, but are you telling me that until you kill one of Spider-Man's close friends or relatives, he's not relevant. Because that's I feel like that's what I'm hearing. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> I don't disagree, though, is the problem. <laughs> Uncle Ben was dead to begin with. He he was. But that's not tra- – it had nothing to do with him being a superhero. It wasn't tragic yet. Yeah. Now that it has to well, well, be a superhero. You know, yeah, so anyways, okay, Joel, you can – So I, I gave it a 10 for performance. 
Um, everything that we've talked about, the fact that they were able to characterize and stay true to the the basic motivations of all of the villains that they had. And it was a mm-hmm. huge roster, a bigger roster than Spider-Man 3. And which which was has been lampoon for how poorly a job it handled right. the number mm-hmm. of threads. It had. Well, OK, so I will. There's some caveats to that, though, is they didn't. They they had already had movies that introduced the characters and their backstories and no, all those other that kind is, of stuff. That is one hundred percent true. So it's not like they were introducing but new. It was VLs it was villains. set up to succeed, but it still had to succeed, and it did. But the thing is, yeah. we still we got every single one of those villains' origins and why they existed, and most of their motivations within No Way Home, and most of the time done in a way where it, it's the same thing as how Spider Verse did For it. Well, the most part. this is another origin. Well, this is another. We're going to do another origin where it was. This is the villain's origin. Were you filling a vat of eels? Yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I I get that, but it's one of those things where you can't give the movie all the credit because there are five other films that came before sure. this that set up these characters. There are so seven let's other so let's pivot. This. So let's pivot. I'm not talking about Holland. I'm talking <laughs> but, about but you have act- the only Spider-Men that matter. Ooh, <laughs> ooh, let's spicy. pivot. Let's pivot then to something <laughs> completely inside this movie, and that was Aunt May's death scene. Well, no, we're not talking about plot yet. I'm talking about the performance oh, okay, in sure. Aunt May's death scene. I mean, Mar- Marissa Tomei is awesome. Her performance was great, but Tom Holland finally showed in that Some scene real emotion. that he can act yes I agree. that was incredible i absolutely love that it was the best death scene that i have seen in quite a while well i think ultimately this movie for for the other movies so far the issue has been that the the three main kids right so so tom as peter zendaya as mj mm-hmm. and oh no i had his name and jacob I, but, something so yeah as as ned yeah they, for most part, the only thing they have to act with is just teenagers. Yeah. And we, we've discussed before, like Ghostbusters Afterlife, sometimes just when you're a teenager, being a teenager on screen is just, there's not much to work with. <laughs> and I think throughout the movie, not just for for Tom, but also uh, Zendaya especially, I think she got a lot more to work with because Ned has been who he is. He's kind of, you know, the comic relief, the, the, the always there support. And he's done a good job. The actor has done a good job with that and has kind of worked within that realm because it's a little more than just being a teenager. Mm-hmm. But I think up to this point, Zendaya especially hasn't had anything to work with. Other no, than not just, really. You're a teenage, you're a snarky teen. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, how do you do? You can only do so much snarky teen before everyone decides I, I don't care about this teenager. Well, yeah. and and she did finally get some level or easier emotions to or like stuff to work off of, mm-hmm. basically actual material. Yeah. yeah. And and I'll definitely say like um, the Aunt May's death scene was was very good, and mm-hmm. I was like, you know, because they kind of fake you out. Where like yeah, you know, yeah. she gets hit, she gets back up, and you're like, how did she survive that? And then and you're like, ah, oh, this ad- is where they're adrenaline. Going that's yep. that's what happens. <laughs> also, I, I, I really like yeah. that whole, and this is more of a plot thing, really, but the how they handled that whole scene, because in every, as far as I can recall, every other you know, Uncle Ben dies, Gwen, mm-hmm. Gwen Stacy dies, et cetera, et cetera. All the other big pivotal deaths, right? It has always been Spider-Man going to the person who has been injured and is dying, and in that one, it is the reverse. It is Aunt May getting up. She's been injured, and uh, Peter is hurt, but he's not, like, damaged, damaged hurt. Mm-hmm. He's just mostly yeah. unsettled and injured. Things have gone poorly. He doesn't understand, oh, my gosh, Aunt May is totally dead. And she gets up and comes to him before, and, you know, and he's the adrenaline like, oh, kicks good, you're, yeah. you're okay. Yeah, yeah. so I, I like that kind of that, that flip of the mm-hmm. whole scene where, where the tragedy comes to him, essentially. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
And and whenever like it's kind of one of those you know they do the fake out and then she starts talking and then like whenever she gives the line great power great responsibility oh, yeah, I was like oh, oh no. she's totally dead oh, she's so dead <laughs> <laughs> there there is the death flag at check yeah <laughs> but I mean overall though but basically everybody in this movie does a good job yeah it's, yeah it's really hard to, mm-hmm. to well and it was actually pick. a pretty small cast it's a, it's a relatively concise cast for for what they were adding into the film. That's fair. You kind of, you kind of build high rather than wide. Yeah. So each, each person has a chance to have more depth because mm-hmm. there's just not as many. And well, speaking, speaking of pulling stuff in, like we can't move on from this subject without mentioning the chemistry and camaraderie that you had between the Tom Holland, Tobey Maguire, and Andrew Garfield, Peter Parker's. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. No, they did a great like, job like the, the trio of brothers, basically, well, was, was just a joy to watch. Um, I, I think my, I mean, I'm just a to, uh, Tom McGuire, just super fanboy. Like he's, you know, he's my <laughs> Spider-Man yeah. fight me. Um, the, the final scene whenever, you know, Tom Holland has, has beaten Goblin to the ground and he is picking up his, his glider and he's about to just throw mm-hmm. it on him and stab well, him. He's going to reenact the yeah. initial yeah. scene. Yeah. And, and then Toby just comes in and stops him from doing it. And no doesn't, words. Doesn't even and say a word. And stares at him. And yeah. it's just like, you can just see all of the emotions there and it's just like oh man well yeah. especially because up to that point and we're we're, we're we're ranging into plot but it, yeah. it's so tied together it's hard to separate up to that point they've all talked about how oh you know of, of all the people in the world right the other spider-man they understand they, they're they, the they only know, ones that they can know understand. what you're going through and when it hits with that toby has kind of the, the the look to his face of like man i know it like i've been I, I've there been here i've been there man with and this like, guy not, and they, <laughs> we even had the discussion of like you go and find the guy who killed Uncle Ben, and I got my revenge. And did it change anything? No. Did it make anything better? No. Mm-hmm. Like I've been there. I felt it. Yep. And he, like, and he, you know, Toby hasn't really acted that much. Um, I'll say in recent years. Like I think the last film that that he was really in was Pleasantville in two thousand nine. I think I'm, I I may be wrong. That what you were he, looking up? Um, Joel's looking it up. I was looking up another movie, but oh, okay. um, but he he really does he doesn't act that much. And you can, whenever, you know, like him coming back on just for this movie, like you can, he still has it. He's still got oh, yeah, the chops. Absolutely. Like he is, uh, especially during the, the little lab scene, whenever they're all just kind of like quipping yeah. back and forth and stuff. Oh man, it was just great. Just fantastic interactions between all of the, all the main characters. Yeah. All right, well, Joel, have you found anything more gripping about Toby Maguire? No, I couldn't spell career? his first name, so but I found T O B E Y. I missed the E M C G U I R E. Uh, yeah, so he was in he was in uh, Boss Baby in 2017. He That's was voice acting. He was in Pawn Sacrifice what? and The Spoils of Babylon. What uh, in 2014. So, so those are those are his three most recent. So yeah, pretty, pretty yeah. So he's, like, he's very sparse in in acting. Mm-hmm. So, but yeah, definitely still has it. Mm-hmm. So on that note, we all got a score on performance, mm-hmm. right? So we're gonna move to the most controversial score, <laughs> where we talk about the, the, score. the score. So to clarify, this is not the score of the score. This is the score of the score. <laughs> what, what we are talking about here is the music. How did the music and the composition? How well did it fit in with the movie? How well did it work? How well did it not work? Did it did it elevate things? Did it detract from things? Right, exactly. Uh, did it make See, you feel awkward? All the did, all it, the did it absolutely sell that big emotional moment yeah. when the music hits? You get yeah. the big brass. And so do we do we want to start high? I do think it. we should start high. Well, really? we, oh, we want to, we want to do a sliding scale down. Yeah, we'll yeah, just, we'll, uh, we'll start with Joel. We'll start right. with Joel. So Meh. I gave it, I gave it so 
before I tell you the number. No, no. Let, let me give let, you the verbal let's, definition. Let's give him some. De- let's let him set up the defense, and then we can knock it down. <laughs> yeah, that's fine. Let me give you a verbal definition. I felt that this was a standard Marvel film in the sense that the music technically matched the emotional content of the scene, but was utterly 100% forgettable. So it did its baseline job in being present and not making you watch a scene with no music. And it didn't say, hey, you should be happy when the scene content was sad. And so I gave it a seven because that's like, it was fine. So I, interesting grading scale because we go all the way down to a one. Actually, we may go to a zero. We've never actually discussed this and settled it for sure. <laughs> I, I assume it's a one. One day, ten. one day it will we'll, come We're, we're going to find one. Don't you worry. But interesting because that's a C in, in a grading world, mm-hmm. right? But that is definitely not higher average. than average. So I find it interesting that you give that description of, well, it did, it did its job. It's just basic average. But it's a seven. So that, that feels like it's a little higher than what you described. I have, I have given something else with the same verbal description of seven in the past. And that's fair. So I was valid. trying to be consistent, like internally consistent with my own grading right. scale. So well, there you well, go. Well, sell us on. Yeah. What? Okay. So like. What, you, what you, in you the s- verbal description do you disagree with? <laughs> <laughs> okay. So all the music was forgettable, right? Correct. There was no Spider-Man theme. Correct. Not that I remember because it's forgettable. Okay, cool. <laughs> Just wanted to make sure that we were on the same page. Okay. That's, that's, that was <laughs> okay. the lowest hanging fruit of do we want the music to work for the movie was fit the Spider-Man theme in somewhere. Well, okay, now to be fair, the, the ending of the film is a very somber, sad thing. Aunt May's dead. He, you know, everyone has forgotten that he's Peter Parker. Mm-hmm. He's broke. He's living in his, in you know, a random apartment in New York. I get it. You're not going to have broke a tr- and living in an apartment in New York. I, Great question. Don't, I don't know. Don't, that's, that is how the magic of Hollywood works. I am poor and broke and here's my $1,200 a month rent. But, <laughs> what? but you know, okay. So that is obviously not a time for this triumphant Spider-Man theme. Yeah. Like that's, but, that's but not part There of were it. definitely moments. I mean, they took the time to put all three of them doing the silhouette pose in front of the in front of the moon, and then all landing, all all staggered yeah, behind it. Like, that is the perfect time for it. They didn't do I'm it. Not, okay. I'm not going to say that that had to be the perfect time for it, but if you could make that moment happen in the middle of the fight, you could. There's another moment somewhere in the movie where you can drop this, even if it's just uh, J.K. Simmons riffing on it to describe how he's a menace. Yeah. Right. But somewhere in that, you, you need to fit it in. Mm-hmm. Just okay. Default baseline. Yep. So. Okay, yeah, you said it was a forgettable thing, and you still gave it a seven. Sure, whatever. Sure. I'm gonna, I'll allow it. I okay. guess. All right. Well, we're we're we're, we're on the sliding. You scale. can't stop me. We're, we're on the sliding scale. <laughs> yeah, so that means so it's going to me. It goes to him. Yeah. <laughs> so, I scored the score a four because, and these are my reasons. Marvel tends to kind of overlook the music, so the average for a Marvel movie is that the music is generally kind of forgettable, right? Mm-hmm. Okay. This music was mostly forgettable. There were moments when I was like, is there music in this movie? And then they they had a little somber bit. Oh, there's a little bit of music. Okay, great. So to me, that says that it's average, but a little below average. Four. Yep. That's average, but a little bit below. Because, and if we wanted to play the missed opportunity game, you had so many emotional moments in this movie that just were not supported by music. And the emotional moments still sold. So maybe they were just like, well, we don't need the music budget. But if you had the music there, holy crap, people, you could have Can you really imagine if this, if this film was scored by Hans Zimmer? Or Alan Silvestri? Yeah. 
Like, yeah, like this. this ah. Okay. So, <laughs> so we're gonna we'll put well or or even and I don't even know who who did the score who assembled the soundtrack for Spider Verse, right? Yeah. But if you just had oh, and just from the trailer that we got the other week, you you know they're gonna hit it out of the park again because they gave you a sample. What about Spider Verse Two? Spider Verse Two, yeah, yeah. part one. Okay, two part one. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. Anyways, all right, we'll, we'll throw it over to Andrew. Okay, so I gave it a three. Yep. 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 Um, I mean, I, I don't disagree with any stated objections okay, so far. So, okay, so this <laughs> this is my this is my my thing here. So the movie was very entertaining. I loved it. It was a very very fun film to go to. I would go see it again. Mm-hmm. I'm sorry that we have a rubric that makes us break down very specific parts of these films. Because I know that I am bringing down the aggregate score <laughs> here. And yeah, Steven is same. too. Yeah, but it's it's one of those things where like, I thoroughly enjoyed the film. And I'm sorry that I have to give it a three. But M- MCU music is already always generally really bad. Except for basically three cases. Which is the first Avengers. Which was done by Alan Silvestri. Then there is the Infinity War. And Endgame. Which was also done by Alan Silvestri. Mm-hmm. You have clearly made successful films with an actual composer, <laughs> and you still don't do it on other ones. And in a lot of ways, this movie, because it pulls so much together from other previous established movie sets, right? Because that was kind of the big selling yeah. on, on Infinity War and Endgame was that it was all these threads tied together. Yeah. This movie has that same kind of it nexus does. point feel, and for the most part, they hit all the highs that need to be hit except for the music. <laughs> And and so the thing is, like, so whenever Electro's character is introduced mm-hmm. um, and he does his first, like, burst of electricity, they actually have, the like, the music from his his movie in there. Mm-hmm. It has, like, the, the kind of, like, the techno, the blah, blah, blah. And they have that. And they never use it again. Never. Mm. Yeah. And, like, this is, this is how theming works, right? Well, when he enters the room, you need to have some tone. It needs to... Mix into the other tones yeah. that were already happening, right? But the other tones weren't there yet because so how do you mix it back in? Because you weren't supplying me with any music to begin with. Yeah, and there were just certain scenes that just had nothing, and and I'm you know there are definitely very successful movies and other movie scenes in movies that are I love that don't have music, and that's totally fine. And normally that means that the character, the actors, have to elevate that scene, carry it without the the emotional drive that music gives it. Mm-hmm. Which is totally fine. It's just, it's just there was just non-existent for basically the whole film. Uh, and you know what? I, I got it, Andrew. I got it. I'm here for you. You ready? <laughs> the biggest flaw in No Way Home is that at the end of the day, when I went home from the theater, I'm not humming anything. There's no tune stuck in my head. There's no reason for me to go on Spotify or Pandora and pull up the soundtrack. Mm-hmm. I, honestly, if you go on Spotify and pull up the soundtrack. I'm curious if there's only like four tracks or something because there just was no there there. Yeah, I'm really (laughs) curious now. I want to see this. But there there was no drive because, you know, when I am working on stuff at home and I want to listen to some music that doesn't have like words to it and I don't need the distraction. Movie soundtracks are a great way to do it. Perfect. You know, Lord of the Rings soundtracks. Mm -hmm. These And if they had given me some really – in-game gets in there. If they had given me something really good to work with, I add it to the rotation and and let me – Refeel these moments that yeah. they've sold me in this movie just from the music, but there's the connection's not there. So I, I yeah, I, I know that ultimately because of this score and because of the way we do the rubric, it really pushes us out of line with what like a Rotten Tomato score or, 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 or critics yeah. or any of these kinds of things. 
But maybe maybe they're wrong. I mean, music is an integral part of the theatrical experience. Okay, so should not. I mean, it should not be ignored when looking at something critically. Yeah. Okay, so I actually, I kind of feel a little bad now. Uh-oh, after does it have the Spider-Man theme. In okay, there? no, it does not have the Spider-Man theme. Um, I am looking at this. There's a lot of tracks. That's fine. Um, like like probably 20, 25. Oh, my seven's um, starting to look a little no, more reasonable, no, 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 isn't no, it? No, 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 no. <laughs> All this does is it just makes it even more damning. Just, because <laughs> No, no, no. It means the mixing was poor and it was pushed because all the way out of the, the scene. Because the composer is um, uh, the same guy who did the origin, the Star Trek 2009 okay. Oh, okay, uh, wow. My, Michael um, uh, Giacchino. I'm sorry. I'm, I, I yeah. don't know how to pronounce that. Well, I mean, and that may not be... His fault because like you've got the, it, it the editing and the yeah. mixing. It could just be the, the mixing. Yeah. 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 And, but it's one of those things where it's like, I know he can do really good. I, yeah. I, I have that soundtrack on my, my rotation since 2009. Mm-hmm. Like I know every single beat to that soundtrack and he did a wonderful job. So now I'm just like, what happened? <laughs> yeah. I, and I will say, <laughs> I will say. It's like, it's like Ryan Johnson in The Last Jedi. <laughs> oh, no. oh no, we're back to Star Wars again. <laughs> I will say the number of tracks, and I know I threw a number, oh, there's only going to be seven. Uh, but if you listen to, like, say, the Moana soundtrack, which yeah. Moana has a killer soundtrack. It does. Fantastic. 23 songs. If you actually ask, you know, your your uh, your Echo, your I don't want to use the actual name, but the, the items in your home where you can say <laughs> a your word smartest, and your smart, respond, your smart assistant devices yeah. to play that soundtrack, there was an error for a little while where it crammed every single bit of the soundtrack into that. So it had, like, 30 tracks and a lot of them were like a minute and a half long and they're just little blips that would fade through the background while there was dialogue mm-hmm. so you didn't you had to like wade through 15 minutes of it <laughs> oh, going no. from track to track just to get to you're like welcome the, like, or, or yeah. shiny or anything it's just this is awful so I mean, maybe that's what this is but now i'm gonna have to li- now i'm gonna have to listen to it because i want to actually know i want to know what the score was because yeah, the movie I, didn't tell me <laughs> yeah i mean i what i'll do tomorrow when i'm working is i'll throw this on and you know if for whatever reason I am changed um, and change my opinion that I'll make a retraction for the next time we record. <laughs> it probably yeah. won't happen. Well, well, or, or even, you know, we could, I'm going to listen to it too. But yeah. you know what? It doesn't change my score for the score. Yeah. Because it's all tied to what the movie was. Yeah. And it the might be great on be... Spotify. Mm-hmm. But if they mix that wrong and they made a conscious decision to jam it down into the back to where you barely get anything, you know what? They deserve lower marks. And if it's really good, they deserve lower marks. Yeah, that's a bad choice. Yeah. Anyways, moving on. We're we're past the spicy. We're back to to we love the movie. It's time to talk about the plot. Joel, you want to describe to the listeners what plot means? Plot is the it's is, is the, the stuff plot? that happens. The story <laughs> is is so is, so so our score for this is is the stuff that happened good or is it bad? <laughs> is it consistent? Yeah. Is, consistency so, yeah, is consi- actually a really consistency big deal. is one of the the most important aspects right. of it. I think, but there's also like plausibility and in in the overall did it support your suspension of disbelief to immerse yourself into the, right. the story? Yeah. So, so basically if I can pull a Dr. Strange and go into the mirror verse and drive an absolute freight train through the plot hole in your movie, you're not going to have a good score <laughs> just, just by default. <laughs> it's gonna, you're going to get dinged for it. Yeah. So having said all that, I don't think we've actually started with Joel. No, we just started with Joel. I We're haven't started to go first. Yet. Andrew goes first. I gave it a seven. They haven't. Uh, he was I, so spicy to get in there and throw out an average. No, no. I, I, th- I think that it was a, um, a perfectly adequate plot for a superhero film in the MCU. 
basically my biggest issue was just basically all just the magic. Mm-hmm. Um, there's, there's little to no explanation or bad explanation for what they're doing, why they're doing it. And then just kind of like Dr. Strange lives by his own rules. That's mm-hmm. fine. Um, I think probably my, my biggest like two specific takeaways was, uh, if, if he brought people in because they knew who Peter Parker was, Electro wouldn't actually be there. Mm-hmm. Because yep. he doesn't know who Peter Parker this, is. This is why there's Andrew a whole, wanted to go first. He wanted to get this one. He, he wanted to be able to say this <laughs> well, one. Well, there, there's a whole conversation with him and Garfield. Is like, well, I thought you'd be black. Yeah. Like blatantly, you don't know who Peter Parker exactly. is. Exactly. Okay. And, so and it's it's a great playoff of the Miles Morales thing, right? right? Mm-hmm. And that's a great in joke. But you you literally just put in there your own plot hole. You built it into the the <laughs> in the dialogue, and then put a mirror to look at it. Like, yeah. Ah. Yeah. So then the other thing was just at the end, um, you know, so obviously everything is is collapsing in the multiverse. All the bad guys are kind of like coming in mm-hmm. The no Peter Parker even, you know, I don't know who who all that is. From the Viking universe and the Valhalla and whatever else. Yeah. But yeah, so, you know, every, everything's kind of collapsing down and, you know, Peter is trying to talk to Doctor Strange and he's like, well, what can we do? And he was like, just make everyone forget who I am. Mm-hmm. Okay, that's that's a, a a reasonable request because you know Peter has clearly messed up all this sort of stuff, mm-hmm. right? And now it is his, is on it is his responsibility with the assist of Doctor Strange to make that happen because Doctor Strange can do magic. Yep. So you know Doctor Strange is like, well, go say your goodbyes. Okay, sure. There's there's no other caveats to this beyond just go say your goodbyes because I'm going to cast the spell mm-hmm. and. So, you know, Tom Holland goes down there and talks to Zendaya and Ned and all this other kind of stuff, and they say their goodbyes, and then he just whips away. Why? Why does he... Why can't... Okay. Right, so, because, like, like he's like, cast, I'm going to If he casts the spell, then he's like, well, okay, so you, you have amnesia. I am your friend. My name is Peter Parker. I... I'll take you home. I'll I'll buy you a scone. We're going to sort this out. <laughs> yeah, so... Okay, and... There okay, and then this is kind of like the I'm overarching. Like this, but keep on. Well, there's there's it's a, coming. It's coming. There's too. a there's an overarching thing with Spider-Man of basically the people that he knows and loves always basically have problems because of him. Yes. Whether, re, regardless of whether they are direct or not, they are always in danger. There's always something that that basically he can't control to help them out. Yeah. Because it is actively detracting from. Not from their relationship, but just from their 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 life expectancy is the best way to describe <laughs> it, and and that's that's the whole shtick of of Spider Man. So from that perspective, he should just basically say his goodbyes and not say I'll find you because that that implies the fact that well he's going to tell you again who he is, and then this kind of removes the whole reason of why you're doing this. Right. So I'm gonna I'm gonna jump in. One. Well. well Actually, I'm going to jump into your jump. No, that's not how this works. Because everyone who's already in this universe can know. Like, they're not the problem. Yeah. It's just that there's no way with the spell, the way that they've set it up, and, you know, the writers can do whatever they want. (laughs) But the way that that they've set it up is this is, there's no way to select who is affected by the spell and not. Yeah. And so, like, telling people locally is fine. mm -hmm. Because they're not the problem. Yeah. Well, and they make it clear that, the more complicated the spell becomes, the more caveats there are, right? From earlier in the movie, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. the more, higher the chance of failure or something weird happening out of it, which mm-hmm. is what happens. So the, the cleanest break is the full break 
because as long as you don't overburden or overcomplicate it, it will yeah. work. Well, yeah. and so my my initial point is, or my my original point is basically like if he wanted to, if he if he never if he wanted to say his goodbyes, and then basically not tell them who he is later on, then he should have just gone away like mm-hmm. he did. Mm-hmm. But if he had his intentions to to come back and talk with them and, and tell them who he is, then he should have just stayed. Yeah, he should have been there when the spell took effect. Yeah, because you're like, yeah. hey, you guys are out in the middle of nowhere, mm-hmm. and you know we need to talk this over real quick. And and obviously, you know, whenever he comes back to her in the cafe with Ned there and stuff like that, he kind of realizes that was the act, the proper choice. Mm-hmm. Is that was to such not, a well-paced scene. Yeah, to not tell oh, yeah, no, them, mm. uh, to basically not tell them who he is yeah. and that kind of stuff. And and that's totally fine because that that is how Spider-Man's you know meant to be. Mm-hmm. Like he's he's not meant to have everything. Yeah. All right. Well, I'm gonna jump in here. Sure. Go ahead. Again. Before I was so rudely interrupted. I will. I will not rudely interrupt you. This can time. I interject the interjection? I will end you. <laughs> First, I'm gonna jump in with my score, which is an eight, because mm-hmm. there are some holes. We're we're in the middle of talking about maybe a hole, maybe a maybe it's not a hole, maybe it's just a divot. There's something there's something wrong there, and we're not sure how to quite work our way around it. Sure. So the movie starts with all these problems are happening. I need people to forget that I'm. That Peter Parker is Spider Man, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, well, well. Now I don't want I don't want Ned to not know. That doesn't seem right. Well, I don't want MJ to not know it. I don't want Aunt May to know. And how does that work? And that breaks it, right? Mm-hmm. So ultimately, the the realization here, the the initial problem for Peter Parker is that by being associated with me, I am negatively impacting the people whose lives I care about. Yeah. So when you reach the end, and everyone has to forget who Peter Parker is to make it work. You haven't solved the initial problem. If you turn around and say, hi, MJ, I'm Peter Parker mm-hmm. and you love me. Like if you build that, I mean, re- you don't have to be a creep about it, but <laughs> you could though. but if you build that relationship right back up immediately, you are right back to where you were at the start of the movie and mm-hmm. you haven't fixed the initial problem that caused the problems that led to the actual plot of the movie. Right. Yeah. You have to have some kind of fix. He has to find a way to solve that problem in the in the interim in between of when he can reintroduce himself to them. Mm-hmm. And maybe however many weeks later before we have the cafe scene, which like you said, really well paced, really well done scene. And it really carried that that emotional weight without music, might add. <laughs> <laughs> um but he's trying to give his little speech to MJ. Mm-hmm. Oh, you know who I am and 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 then he sees that she has like a bandage still on her face. Yeah, like, like he, she she moves the hair out of the way and yeah. it reveals the bandage yeah, on her was, forehead. That was perfectly played too because yeah. it was really well timed the way the plays. And then he, again, Holland now has something to actually chew on and really act. He does that perfect pause and just, you don't. Yeah, because like, like the minute you see the bandaid, you're like, oh, I know what choice he's about to make. Yeah, well, well, and yeah. you know where this is going. And it is, I think, the right choice. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And, and that's kind of the thing is like it, and that could just, and maybe it's just I have a problem with the fact that he couldn't decide right then and there uh-huh. whether you know, like he, I he, mean, the kid's aunt just died. So no, like she I, was basically his mom. So can no. we can we give him a little bit of leeway here? Right. But also, <laughs> that, and that but that is the other point to it, right? Is you can say, oh, well, the people who have been associated with them, they're negatively affected. Yeah, they're really negatively affected. I mean, his aunt died because of. Because of the choice that he specifically made. Because of who he is and then the choice he made as a result of that and and it cascades. So I I think this is why I call it maybe a plot divot instead of a plot hole. 
that they could have done a better job of selling it. I think that the the individual scenes were good. They just didn't connect it with that. You need you need an extra line of dialogue. You need a strange interjection, something of him like, well, well, we're back to square one, Peter. When I when I finish the spell, we're back to square one, Peter. If if you don't say your goodbyes and you stand right there, we're back to square one. How do we? How how does that fix what I was trying to fix for you in the first place? Mm-hmm. And if if they had thrown something like that, then I I think that that fixes or at least papers it over a little better. But I, I'll give them credit. You know what? I'll give them credit. It's always back to Star Wars. We didn't get the Rise of Skywalker three PO <laughs> scene of oh, in order to help my friends, I'm going to forget who my friends are. Oh, well, I'll take one last look at my friends, and then you know, 15 minutes later, oh, he's restored from a backup because he's a computer. Oh, he right. knows who all these people are. So like you you super cheapen it. If you do that, right, right. Yeah. you you, and, you cheapen the whole and everything so, of the movie. and so you want to look at this this you know climactic sequence and be like, well, I mean, there's so many problems, but at the same time, the protagonist suffers such immense consequence right. from it that you're like, well, but but that's good storytelling. Yeah, so it, I don't, it had a, it had a really <laughs> well, good some point, emotional payoff. Yeah, it's yeah. just there's a lot of I mean, well, just, okay, we're just going to we're going to ignore the actual like direct plot stuff. We're just going to go in universe here for a second. Does he still have a social security number? A birth Yeah, those are problems. No, they're, they're, he, yeah. They're, how, like, how did you rent that? I mean, I mean, the Peter? first the first <laughs> thing that I was credit? thinking of is like, well, what about all of the the you know the video of him? Like, is that just is well, that just blank? Because, well, no, is because like clearly people, <laughs> people know who Spider Man is. No, yes. No, I'm I'm talking just like video I mean, recordings. He's been outed, and they and the news camera is well, hovering outside that, of like his Peter, apartment. Peter Parker as a person. Yeah. Doesn't exist like in, does, in anyone's memory. Yeah. Oh, okay, fair. So, so like a CCTV. Yeah. Of him. Yeah. Yeah. And then like what what happens? Well, the ultimate bank robber. <laughs> <laughs> he can he can even I mean, he's Spider Man too. Like the ultimate bank robber. Yeah. 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 So so that's there's definitely some wibbly bits there. Uh, I mean well, it's, it's it's the same thing with if you if you squint too hard at people coming back from the dead um, after five years in Endgame, there's a lot of ju- like just like world logistics that you're just like huh. So just like people in the air just kind of die, like if so, they're in a plane. So what's funny <laughs> is those initial issues, like, oh, yeah, you were on a boat. Well, congrats, you're drowning in the Antarctic now or something like that. <laughs> uh, those are kind of fun and they're kind of weird. But I also I like how they have kind of handled of like, hey, all these people came back and it causes Major strife, chaos. economic problems. We're yeah, having a hard time. And they've done a good job with the, the big macro, mm-hmm. the micro issue of, oh, you were on a flight from D.C. to L.A. and Oop, oh, that's Iowa. Oh, you have fun with that drop. <laughs> yeah. Is, is, yeah, it's a little squidgy. Yeah. Um, but, you know, that's fine. MCU, magic, wavy hand you, you stuff. The, the problem with the MCU, I think right now, is that the biggest pieces they've done have relied on time travel mm-hmm. and magic. Mm-hmm. And both of those get real fudgy because if it's not set down in hard and fast rules of this is this, this is that, it must be this way, then magic can be anything. Right? Yeah. Well, time travel they, could be anything. Uh, I mean... In Endgame, they break their rules like they 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 Tony Stark creates rules and then the, he immediately breaks them. Yes. Yeah. So yes. whatever, it's fine. It, We're it, not going to get into an Endgame anyway, discussion. It is whatever. Moving on to the last part of the plot discussion, I gave it an eight. Okay. Yep. So I I agree with everything that has been said here. It's it's really hard to wholeheartedly ding it because it's it very comes, nitpicky. It comes on the back of such really great character moments. Mm-hmm. Uh, but like like the only other thing that I would definitely say, kind of pulled me out of the movie just a little bit was the moment where the two other Spider-Men come in, right? Toby. It was a little, it was a little weirdly paced. And 
they go, okay, so I've got this, this thing that does the portals, mm-hmm. right? And going back to the Doctor Strange movie, doing the thing with the portals with the rings was like the first exercise that they did once they actually got into training. Right. And so like, okay, this is novice level stuff. Mm-hmm. So I can accept that maybe Ned lucks into figuring out how to well, do it quickly. He's just it's, got it's the it's extra whatever. talent, yeah. right? His ma- his, there's magic in his family. So it's like, right? oh, okay, fine. But in, and okay, it works based on desire, right? I want mm-hmm. Peter. And so, but like it finds the convenient can very conveniently for the plot. It finds the Peters that the plot needs, not the Peters that they need. Right. It doesn't actually follow his desire. It follows right. the desire of the plot. It's kind of like when you, when you tell TiVo to record something and then, Oh, it's like, Oh, that movie had horses. You love horses. I'm going to record everything. On horses. <laughs> on it. Like, no TiVo stop, please. Um, and then once they're like, okay, so we've got these two, we need to find Peter. Hmm. I wonder if we had something that, that we, we could, could use do to a find Peter. <laughs> instead of going out and beating the streets. Right. To go find, yeah. Right. And then they don't use it then. And, uh, and and they were, but the, even that they redeem somewhat later in the film when they use the fact that he can't control this, like he doesn't really know what he's doing. He can't close as, the portal as yeah. a big problem in the climax. So even though the portals close after you know the other Spider Men walk through them, but you know, yeah. well, well, <laughs> magic I mean, hand wavy thing. It, it, yeah, literally, it, it literally yeah. literal hand waving. But it it is sometimes disappointing when they have those moments when when you, know, you could just have Ned be like do I try a third time? And MJ is like, hold on now. We don't, we've already got two. Do we need more? <laughs> do we need, do we really want to know that there's like 60 of these guys walking around? <laughs> you, know, you throw that one, one, it would get a kind of nice laugh. Mm-hmm. And, and two, you know, we know, well, there's not other Spider-Man out there. Well, in, in the second, that, could be, the, the first time that he did it and he does the portal and you see the Spider-Man in the alley and then you just see him turn around. You're like, oh, that is not Tom Holland. That yeah. Way too tall. And, and then I was like, they're not going to introduce Toby first. They're no, yeah, have like to do the Garfield fact the first. fact that they did Toby last was for, first of all. I mean, we've got to talk about. Can we move on to the the? the I mean, we've we've handled the, hype, the plot, right? We've handled the the, the hype, hype, faithfulness, the faithfulness. No, no, no. Because I I want to talk about the oh, the non spoiler oh, spoiler spoiler campaign. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, that's not really. It's related to the plot because it's kind of covering for the plot. Yeah, but yeah just go for it. So like stop. the. The success of this, like the box office opening weekend success of this mm-hmm. film. 253 million domestic. Great. 50, 50 million Thursday alone. Yeah. Which Just is domestic. That's fantastic. That's for, bonkers numbers. Yeah. yeah that's Especially a lot. for, we've had the pandemic and, you know, other movies have kind of struggled or haven't done quite as well. This thing is, is a freight train right I now. I mean, just as, as a, um, uh, just as a, as a comparison Dune, which is generally regarded as a like almost masterpiece level sci-fi mm-hmm. film that was successful in the box office, only made what sixty-six million for the whole opening weekend. Oh, it was less than that. I'm pretty sure it was just like forty-eight million. I mean, like, and that was considered a success. Like, which I mean, you know, some, they, some they, of that is what expectations you peg initially. Absolutely, yeah, for and, sure. And there's also like the hybrid release yeah. model with also being because available. They did it on HBO. On HBO yeah. yeah, Dune Dune's domestic open. Looking back at some notes for some reason, where it was forty million. Okay, yeah. So 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 Spider Man beat it on the Thursday. Yeah, domestic which open. was uh, I mean we we were in a packed theater when we saw it on. Yeah, Thursday. I mean it was packed. But I will say we had no. I mean it was a packed IMAX. Mm-hmm. We had no problem finding a ticket for IMAX. We both kind of wibbled and wobbled about, oh, yeah, we need to buy tickets for this. IMAX was sold out. 
Yeah, I, I I picked a back row in a theater that was basically full of like six other theaters. We had to park in the parking spots that is as Lauren describes, it's a great place to get mugged. They're behind the theater. <laughs> it's the first is the first time I have ever at Patton Creek had to park behind it and not just somewhere out in the parking lot. Did so you did our, you not go to Force Awakens at Patton Creek? Did I see Force Awakens in theater? Oh my gosh. <laughs> So our our theater sure, our theater uh, in in McCullough was almost full, and you told it us is, it get is a ticket there. You're never, never full. ever full. Yeah, that's actually really impressive, and yeah. I bet everyone was there for Spider Man. Absolutely, Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. And so, like, but the the fact that there were so many fan theories that all turned out to be true. Yep. Right. The but it's true. nobody nobody would confirm. Nobody would confirm. Mm-hmm. Tight lip. But, you know, it makes you wonder because it was so successful at generating hype. Everyone had to know, is Andrew Garfield in this film? Is Tommy McGuire in this film? Uh, how, to what extent? What are they going to do? Mm, is well, it? And they also, they, they had to know firsthand, right? I don't want to mm-hmm. find out the Monday after mm-hmm. opening weekend and get spoiled by it. Like, you know, someone who's still listening yep. to this going, why didn't I turn this off 40 minutes ago? <laughs> <laughs> but, but yeah, it's, it's definitely one of those where... A lot of whenever the um, the Sonic movie was initial initially announced and mm-hmm. they showed the first trailer and it had like the the really ugly Sonic. A lot of people Bad have Sonic. pontificated that that was actually just a marketing ploy because they originally had they they had always intended to have the original look of Sonic mm-hmm. be in the film and mm-hmm. then they just did that to to kind of dry to to get up some hype. Well, it's the it's the no publicity is bad publicity. Yes, yeah, right, exactly. And, uh, you know, you could say that there's probably like, oh, let's just conveniently possibly hint that Andrew Garfield and Tobey Maguire are going to be in and, this film. And, and I'm going to put my tinfoil hat on here for a moment. <laughs> and I'm going to say that Tom Holland has a infamous reputation of spoiling, of spoiling. leaking yep. things. Yep. yep. And I can't think of a better way to hype up your material than to have one of your leading actors always spoil stuff. If you tell him what to spoil, <laughs> yeah. Well, and but he didn't. He didn't spoil anything. He didn't no, spoil well, there anything. was there was one there was one interview clip where they were doing like a live reaction. Him and the other two uh, leading uh, actors, and it was it was like the the in the trailer where it was the big, you know, clash scene between the the villains that yeah. are actively attacking them, and it's just and, one and Spider-Man. It's just one Spider Man. And there was even one foreign version of the trailer that let it go a little bit too long, and you saw uh, the lizard man's uh, head like react to it to an impact. Oh, a different, but but, like a but, there, but there wasn't anything there. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, and uh, during the live react, Tom Holland goes, "Well, where's the?" <laughs> and you see Zendaya just kind of die inside a little bit. <laughs> uh, that's good. I I liked the the pre the pre. Uh, production interview or whatever where they had uh defoe molina and fox mm, yeah that was and, really that was and, really interesting well, to well, watch for one that like just put a camera in front of defoe and just kind of let him go mm-hmm. right yeah but but him saying oh yeah you know they 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 were filming something else and we were all down there and we just started beating the crap out of tom hall and they started filming that this is great put some cgi over that let's redo the script <laughs> and it's, it's one of those things it's totally unrelated but it's just when you already have really good actors mm-hmm in it, and then you send them out to promote. 
they're going to be, if they're invested, they're going to be good promoters of it yeah. as well because yeah. they're just naturally going to be good in front well, of the camera. And, and Defoe is just like one of my one of my favorite oh, actors so just good. in general. He's Everything he's in is just so much fun. Mm-hmm. So what cracked me up, I told my dad, my dad asked me about it. I told him, oh, yeah, you know, Defoe's. And he's like, Defoe's still acting? Man, <laughs> he must be 80 at this point. And I, I like looked him up and was like, dad, he's younger than you are. And my dad's like, <laughs> He must have started acting early, because <laughs> he's just like he. I like I remember him being in all kinds of things. Yeah. All right. So let's move on to faithfulness, and then we can just kind of give general ideas of, you know, what we where where Spider Man might go from here. No, not really, not really that. Just kind of just talk about some of our favorite moments from the film, just in general. Andrew wants a highlight reel. Oh, okay. yeah, highlight, Hi- highlight reel, reel of the of our of our favorite mm, yeah moments. So faithfulness, yeah, I gave it an eight. Yeah, I mean, it it's pretty faithful. And I, I, you know, there's a whole swath of Spider-Man movies that I didn't watch, so I can't tell you that it was faithful to those. But everyone else seems to think it was faithful to those, so I'm gonna agree with them, that it was faithful <laughs> to those. Um, you know, there's 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 always some we can nitpick forever, and I'm I'm not I can't really give it a ten because I don't know for sure, but there's always something you can nitpick. But at the end of the day, when you had the lab scene. Did I believe oh, that you had? I forgot to mention that. Yeah, what the lab scene? What about in, it? in plot holes? Oh, what what about I'll it? Go for it. Yeah. Oh, oh, because like <laughs> I could buy. You know, knock a peg off this faithfulness right now. <laughs> I could buy Garfield's Garfield's Peter recreating the the whatever the he used to, the to do the lizard man because he's done that before. Yeah, mm-hmm. right. Like that was actually how it resolved in the film right there. Um, so like he he knows it. It's down cold. I could buy being able to repair physically damaged equipment uh-huh. that had already been constructed by an incredibly advanced fabricator. I cannot, under any circumstances, buy fabricating an experimental anti serum using high school chemistry lab level equipment and materials. <laughs> For, yeah. for Goblin. I mean, it, it's a little bit of a stretch. Although, I mean, they did try to paper it over with, with Toby saying, yeah, I've, I've, this is something I've thought about a lot. because, yeah. And that that in itself, it's it's the faithfulness to it of, well, it killed the father of his best friend, someone he's known growing up yeah. forever. Yeah. And, well, how, if this ever, if I ever get a chance to redo this, if this ever occurs again, what would I do? How do I? So I, I yeah, I, I think that the lab setting that they got, especially when, like, Tom has uh Iron Man sun or glasses, put them on. I'm pretty sure those were um, those were confiscated. Uh, well, whatever. He he is strongly connected to Stark Industries. You could find a better lab somewhere. I mean, sure, but now granted, his his Aunt May did just die. He is very distressed, and that is also where they found him was at the school. True, I and mean, it was immediately what was the most immediately available. Mm-hmm. And who knows? Maybe he goes to some. Really special Bougie magnet school. school. Yeah, I mean, they've got they got all kinds of stuff in that in those vials. You just don't know. <laughs> but the bit where they're all in the lab and they're all interacting and, and having the discussion, and you have you know the bit with Ned where he's like, "Oh well, I promise I'll never you know become a and and, and Tom has to just kind of look at him like, what, "What conversation are we having?" Uh-huh. I would buy all of those people, the specifically talking about Toby and Garfield that they have been and lived in the spider suit for a long time, that they have been Spider-Man beyond what their movies were, mm-hmm. Yeah, they're just dealing with the problems from it. Well, and that was hinted at anyways. I but, mean, it, yeah. it was, but just the naturalness with which they didn't just interact with each other, but also they they handled themselves mm-hmm. in yeah. terms of they, they all felt 
they all, they both, two of them, they felt more mature. They felt like they they're they're not the Peter B of mm-hmm. Spider Verse because they're not jaded and cynical. Yeah, but they're they're a couple steps below that. Mm-hmm. So I I felt like throughout it was very it was it was a production that was made where everyone involved in the production really appreciated what they were doing. Mm-hmm. There wasn't really anybody that just phoned it in. There was no, and the writing has some bits and bobs and, you know, they just kind of forgot the music. But besides that, <laughs> everyone was very invested in it and making it work. And I mean, some people went you know, way above and beyond. Defoe stands yeah. out. Uh, but yeah, I mean, just overall, great. Mm-hmm. So I'm, I'm throw off someone else for I to keep blabbering. Um, so I gave it a nine on faithfulness. Okay. Um, I think my two, um, my two standout moments um, well, really more just a couple moments, but I really loved the fact that they gave a lot of closure for the Tobey Maguire and Garfield villains mm-hmm. that basically once, once they were cured and all this other kind of stuff, which, you know, we can, we can talk about all day of like, well, there's no way that a serum would just immediately stop, you know, William Defoe from mm-hmm. being Green Goblin. But anyways, um, you know, it's, they, you got a lot of closure with all of them, especially Jamie Foxx's character for Electro and um, and then Alfred Molina's mm-hmm. um, Doc Ock. And, it, and it's one of those things where it's like, you know, those were like the very emotional parts in the film for me. Like, you know, when Aunt May died, I was, you know, I was like, wow, that's, that's, that's really bad. Mm-hmm. And I'm sorry that that happened, Tom Holland. But um, <laughs> I, I, am not, I am not here for you. We're like halfway <laughs> through the film and I don't see Tobey Maguire on screen. <laughs> and um, and then, you know, then you had that, you know, really heartfelt moment whenever they go and find Tom Holland, you know, up on top of the roof of the school. Mm-hmm. And they're all kind of like, you know, trust me, man, we we're the only ones that have that know and, what you're going. And through I, I loved how that scene perfectly mirrored the one in Into the Spider-Verse. Yeah. <laughs> where they're yeah. all like, this is the person that died in my backstory. It, right. Yeah, like, it also even occurred, you know, in a school. Yeah. Yeah. And um and then probably my my favorite funny moment was right before they're all um right before the final battle is happening and they're they're kind of poking fun and asking questions about uh Tobin Maguire's web shooters. Mm-hmm. They're like, so does it just like like does it just like come come out? Like yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and and that entire that entire interaction with them was just fantastic. Yeah. Uh, and um, is definitely one of those like I'm just grinning like the whole scene because like you know what what they're like you know kind of like what the next line of dialogue is gonna be mm-hmm. and it didn't matter it was yeah. still just super fun yeah. and yeah their chemistry was amazing yeah so Joel uh, I I really tried to find something to ding it for in faithfulness and I couldn't so I gave it a ten oh my god like <laughs> it it handled it 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 brought the the character of Spider Man from the Tobey Maguire film. Mm-hmm. brought the character of Spider-Man from the the Andrew Garfield films and it gave those characters closure yep. in a way that was really impressive with the amount of screen time that they took to do. Yeah. And I I I got to say like for favorite moment of favorite moments of the film, we had a really responsive audience mm-hmm. in in our <laughs> theater and so when when Andrew Garfield takes off his mask after coming in. Yep. We, we have the whole audience going, Whoa, you know, and there's even <laughs> one guy down near the front where he's, he's standing up and he's clapping, you know, <laughs> and then 
when Tobey Maguire oh, walks man. through, it's like redouble. <gasps> yeah. Well, you know? our, our theater was very much like, oh, when Andrew Garfield came in, everyone was like, yeah, that's cool. And then when, when Tobey Maguire popped out of the portal, everyone, it was just like, just, it was, everyone was so happy. Yeah. Just yeah. because like. Because you know, in, back to the, the PR campaign, maybe question yeah. mark, uh, you know, everyone is expecting it. And they're going to be disappointed if it's not there, but they're they're not sure it's there. Yep. And yeah. so to see it happen was really exciting. Yeah, it was really. And exciting. then <laughs> the second thing it was really hilarious. There was there was this lady who was sitting behind us that the moment that you know after the really 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 great character moment of the Tobey Maguire Peter stepping in front of the the glider yeah. and just mm-hmm. staring down mm-hmm. Tom Holland's Peter of, I've been there, man. Yeah, you don't want to do this. And then you know Tom Holland is like, okay, fine, yeah, you're right. Mm-hmm. And then. <laughs> Goblin stabs, yeah. Peter, Toby's Peter in the there, back. There are complaints surrounding that, but it's okay. and well, I mean, sure, uh, whatever. He's been stabbed before, but, but <laughs> I feel like spider sense should you know preclude that from happening. To but, but anyways, yeah. this, this lady shouts out, "Oh no, he he killed Toby! You better kill him now!" <laughs> it was so great. Yeah. But just the, but that is to say, I mean, that's that's you're not every theater group is going to have that level of responsiveness, yeah. but it was such an enjoyable experience that really pulled you in. Yeah. We, we well, had a couple screaming kids in ours, which wasn't that fun, but <laughs> for the most part, it was a good theater experience. Yeah. We, yeah. we, we had similar to what you got, Joel, cause we were not in the same, th- we thought we were going to be in the same. Yeah. Theater. I thought we, we were going to be in the same one. Um, but, but we had the same kind of work where people, Whoa, you know, cheer for it. Mm-hmm. And it, it does harken back to kind of, you know, your in game, your infinity war stuff where people had the big, You'll see a video here and there that someone took where the crowd jumps and screams. Yeah, you it's know, not like quite Cap, that big of an impact. Yeah, yeah. Cap, Cap gets the gets Mjolnir, and then you're, everyone's just like you know loses their stuff. Yeah, yeah. it's not. Qu- it was never quite that big a payoff, but it was definitely a big. Like you could tell they hit emotional notes because it paid off with people. Yeah, yeah. Well, all right. Well, that sounds like all the time we have for this episode. So until next time, I'm Stephen. I'm Andrew, and I'm Joel. And every spoiler was intended. Thanks for listening to this episode of Spoilers Intended. If you would like to join the conversation and maybe suggest something you think we should review, head over to Discord. If you really liked what you heard, you can also support us on Patreon. Links are in the description below. 